This time of year, with our children's worship taking a little break, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I want to spend some of the time I have allotted here, and then we'll finish up after the Lord's Supper. The Bible describes the church as the wisdom of God. And those of you who have been in church for a long time begin understanding that, don't you? You begin seeing various things about church that bless your lives and things about church that are so special. And church becomes so much a part of who you are and a part of your heart. There are many things about church that have been blessings in my life and I know in your lives as well. But one thing I wanted to talk for a little bit about today is the idea that church is about the only place left in our society where generations are brought together and people are encouraged to form really deep, lasting relationships across those lines of age. Now, I realize that even in church, we sort of fall into the trap at times of segmenting according to age groups, and there are times that that's appropriate. But I truly believe that part of the wisdom of God is He keeps throwing us together. And he keeps saying, love one another. And he encourages us to form the the bonds that are there because we each have a bond with Jesus Christ. I don't know what mine and Pat's life would be like without relationships we have formed with people who are younger than us. I mean, to be able to give Blake Ballman a hard time like that and know that, that he'll take it well and, and that that was, that was good. Or, you know, Doug and Talisha Johnson have brought such blessings into our lives as well. And Brooke and, and uh, what's your name? Chris. Yeah. Uh, Woodrow, as they've come along and we've had them in our home quite a bit. And, you know, just th- those relationships that in any other place probably wouldn't be there because we wouldn't have that tie of the Savior within us and the Holy Spirit binding us together. But as much as I treasure those, I have to admit that I I treasure even more those relationships with those who are, how should we say, running ahead of us somewhat. Uh, Those relationships, the the people who, who have a few more years experience of walking with the Lord. And I don't know that I would ever have had as many parents and grandparents as I've had here in the church. And, you know, Dot is my other mother. And uh, Sue falls right into that category, too. And I see Mary, well, if I start calling names, you know, we could just go on and on. But those relationships are so dear to me. And I know that you have found those experiences as well. Now, the reason we're talking about this is, is because the story we want to look at today is a story of two generations of one family, but two generations coming together and sharing something together that, that, that was so special to them and such a time of great joy in their lives. The older person, an older couple, was Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were salt-of-the-earth people. And Zechariah was a priest, and he lived in a small little village near Jerusalem. We don't know the name of the town that he lived in. He there along with his wife, Elizabeth. And they're described in the Bible, uh, which is always interesting to me. I love to read descriptions of people in Scripture because I, I sort of cringe to think maybe what my description would be had God written it down. But this is how God lets us know who Zechariah and Elizabeth are. He says they were righteous before God. 
living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. So this perfect couple, a couple that probably people in their synagogue just loved and dearly uh, treasured these relationships they had with them, but there was one note of sadness in their lives. They had always wanted to have children and had never been able to have that special child. Well, you know the story. One day, Zechariah is serving in the temple in Jerusalem, as the priests did. They rotated through on that duty. And when it came his turn, he was there in the temple, and suddenly before him stood Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And Gabriel began to tell him things that just really blew his mind. He said, Elizabeth, your wife, is going to have a baby. She's going to have a little boy. And you are to name him John. And this little baby will bring joy and gladness for many people. And what you are to do is, from his very birth, commit for him the Nazarite vow. He is to never cut his hair. He is to never drink alcohol of any kind. Because this man is going to be truly a man of God and one who is coming with a purpose to go before the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me read a little bit of the description of what he will do because this verse, verse 17 of chapter 1 of Luke says, with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before the Messiah, him, to turn the hearts of parents to their children. That fits right in with what we're talking about here. We, we referenced this verse back a few weeks ago when we were doing our series on families. I don't know if you remember us turning to this verse and talking about how families are in the heart of God. And one of his greatest desires is that the generations within families love and nurture and cherish one another. And part of the reason that Jesus Christ came into this world was to get our families to love each other. Parents and children, children, parents. It doesn't say this, but I know by implication in grandparents and uncles and aunts that Jesus Christ came for one particular reason to do that. What else was he going to do? Also to call the disobedient to go and seek the wisdom of the righteous. And you talk about turning the world upside down. Uh, Most of the time when we see people who are rebellious and disobedient, they kind of sneer at and push away the people who are righteous and godly. And one of the reasons that John was coming and later Jesus was to wake those folks up and say, they've got something I need. The righteous people have something I need and to go and to seek them. And then he says, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, John says... I don't know if this can happen or not. Uh, let me read verse 18. Not John, Zechariah. Zechariah said to the angel, How can this be so? For I'm an old man. You know, I haven't had children. I'm past the years of fathering children. I'm an old man. And, and guys, notice how he tactfully phrases this next little part. Okay, you might get a few tips here. And my wife is... Getting on in years. (laughs) I like that about Zechariah. He he knows where not to go, doesn't he? Okay, I'm an old man and my wife is kind of getting along in years. How can this happen? And the angel replies, because you've doubted, you will not be able to speak. You'll be mute 
until the child is born. Well, Zechariah goes home, and lo and behold, Elizabeth does conceive. And there is great joy in that house. You can just imagine, here at the age that most of their friends were grandparents, they were becoming parents for the first time. And as she just rejoiced over this, and every day with a song in her heart, one particular day, something really interesting happened. She heard someone come to the door, and through the door burst this young woman who was a relative of hers, Mary. Mary had not sent an email. She hadn't texted. No, Elizabeth didn't know she was coming, but she burst into the door shouting, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. And what follows is one of those times that is really so dear in Scripture. You know, one of the best parts of Scripture is in between sentences. I like to call it in the folds of Scripture. In those parts that are not written down, but what has been written has brought us to a point of just kind of pushing the Bible back and closing our eyes and saying, now, what would that be like? Let me live that scene out in my mind and in my heart. Because here you have this woman who for all her life had wanted to be a mother. And now finally she was becoming a mother. And then you have this young girl showing up with an amazing story. And she sits down and you can just imagine the two of them. Talk, 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 can't you? And just, just laughing because you know Mary's story. Here she is a young girl probably still a teenager, and yet she tells Elizabeth that while I was at home one day, suddenly an angel appeared to me and said that I, too, would have a baby, and I was to name him Jesus. And the description given of him is he will be great. He will be called the Lord, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Both of these women are having such important children, and both in the most unlikely of circumstances. Mary says, How can this happen? I'm engaged, I'm about to be married, but I'm not a married woman. The angel says, this is the work of God himself, the Holy Spirit. Your child will be holy. He will be known as the Son of God. And then he gives Mary this little bit of information that set all this into motion. He says, you know your kinswoman, your relative, Elizabeth. She's going to have a baby too. Well, I don't know how long it took Mary to pack her bag. I don't know how she got from Nazareth down to Judah, but it didn't take long until she was walking in that door and they were celebrating together their good news. Now, the scripture tells us as we look at this story that whenever she walked in, two signs happened. Two words of the Lord or signs from the Lord to confirm that all that was going on was just simply as wonderful as they thought it was. One was when she first walked in and started calling, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, oh, the baby leaped in her womb. That baby was a special baby. He knew even the voice of Mary and knew that that voice was connected very closely to what the Lord was about to do. 
And the other thing that happened was Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she began prophesying, as it says here in Scripture, in a voice, in a very loud voice. And this is what she said. She said, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And then verse 45. A blessing conferred upon Mary. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Well, I hope up until now that most of you at least have sort of been following this story in your mind and enjoying like I enjoy just watching what happened. But when we hear these words, these words of, Zachar- of, of Elizabeth to Mary, a door opens. And we are invited not just simply to be watching this story, but to enter in. These words of blessing to this teenage girl years ago become an invitation to us to walk through the door and become a part of the story of God. In fact, these last little words of blessing lead us to this table. To all who believe in the promises of God, welcome to the table of the Lord. Now, what is the connection? It's this. We gather around this table because we share certain things in common. Now, many of you have grown up around the Lord's table. Some of you have grown up around this table itself. And even though this is just some wood put together with some paint over it, it's a special place for you. Others of you have journeyed long and hard to come to the table of the Lord. You have experiences that you could recount that you wouldn't want anyone else to ever have to go through. But now you're here. You, like all of us, have experienced what it's like to have the Lord in your life. You know His mercy and His grace. You know those times in your life when you have been disappointed in yourself, when you have disappointed others, and yet God has taken you and lifted you back up and gently said, it's okay. You have experienced the presence of the Lord in times of deep sadness and loss and pain whenever the Lord has come to you and blessed you with His presence and with His comfort. Those common experiences bind us together. But I want to point out one more that does. We come together here because those of us who gather around this table believe in the fulfillment of the promises God has made to us. That is why we eat this bread and drink this wine. Because we believe it when God tells us that He will be our Father. We believe it when He tells us that His Son died for us 
and that this bread is like taking his body into our body, and that this wine is like taking his blood that is the forgiveness of our sins into ourselves, and his promise that he binds us together as a family. So each time we take the bread and drink the wine, we proclaim that we're people of faith who believe that God will keep his word. And because we believe that, blessed are you. Hear again the words of Elizabeth. Blessed are you who believe that there will be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to you by the Lord. Let us now share in the bread and the cup of blessing. Take just a few moments and finish the story. Have you ever uh, just made up a song? Uh, I don't know if you're someone that likes to do that or not, just to burst out singing about the things that are going on around you. My mother used to sing a lot at home. She would get my sister and I out of bed if she thought we were staying in bed too long by singing hymns at the top of her voice. If that didn't work, she would sit down at the piano and play hymns and sing them, which was quite a sacrifice for her being a good Church of Christ girl, but she did it anyway, and you know, finally would rouse us out of bed. And she also had this very endearing characteristic of singing about what she was doing. Uh, she'd be in the kitchen, and if she was baking a pie, you'd hear her singing, I'm stirring up the pie dough, stirring up the pie dough, you know, or, or I'm rolling out the dough. Roll. I remember that one very vividly. Most of her songs had, had gospel song tunes, but they were about what she was doing. And uh, at the time, we kind of thought it was corny, but it was a good sign that she was happy. And you know the old saying that it's always good for mama to be happy, isn't it? That the whole house is a lot better if mama's happy. But now in looking back at it, I realize that what she was doing was a very spiritual exercise. Now that's really what we're called upon to do. We're people that are called to sing. And a lot of times we say, well, that's when we're all together and we all sing. But really, if you look at the scriptures... The more, the, the, mainly the encouragements to sing are about us singing just when we're by ourselves. And like James chapter 5 verse 13, it says, if anyone's cheerful, you're right, let them sing songs of praise. And then that, that famous passage in Ephesians chapter 5 that we've used for so long to reinforce our idea that, that, that we should not have instruments accompanying music. And, and there's some things in there that we need to know. But what we need to know too is in context, what that's really talking about is just being the type of person that gets so caught up in the spirit that you've got to sing. If you don't remember the passage, it says, don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. And that's an interesting thing to kind of unpack that a little bit, that being filled with the Spirit has some of the same characteristics as being drunk. Not the bad stuff. And it said, don't get drunk. I'm, are you hearing me? It says, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. And as you're filled with the Spirit, you know what you're going to do? You're going to sing. You're going to sing songs and hymns. You're going to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Now, that's the way we normally translate it, among yourselves, but it could also be translated within yourselves because then it goes ahead and says singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. So these are just instances where we're called upon to be people who just enjoy God so much 
that we'll break out in song. I, I tell you, you may hear me sing around here sometime and think, well, he doesn't have the greatest voice. But when I'm driving down the street in my car and it's just me and God, it is gorgeous. All right? It is just beautiful. Well, Mary got caught up into this. As she and Elizabeth were visiting, suddenly she just burst out in song. And what she sings about is what's going on in her life right then. Let me read her song to you. I, I, prom- I won't sing it, okay? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. In other words, I'm just a little girl from Nazareth. And yet, look what is happening to me. We can sing that song, can't we? Who am I? I just live in San Angelo or wherever you live. Nobody knows me, but God has looked with favor on me. He has looked with favor on me, and surely from now on, she says, all generations will call me blessed. Do you realize that people are going to know my name forever because God has chosen me for this special thing? For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Now she brings us into her song as well. His mercy is for all those who fear him from generation to generation, across the ages, all ages. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. When God enters the world, things get turned upside down. And finally, she says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy and according to the promise that he made to our ancestors. There it is again. She is someone who believes what God has promised her. She hasn't seen it yet. She hasn't received it all yet. But she believes it because God has promised it. I want to close out today by reading a couple of promises that God has made to you. One is made all the way back in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Listen to what God said. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you the heart of stone. I will give you a living heart, a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. Jesus echoed these words in John chapter 14, verse 23, when he said, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them, and we will live with them. These promises are why Mary's song now becomes our song as well. Like Mary, we now carry the Lord within us. We are all pregnant with the possibility of life. God has promised that if we will but open our hearts to him, he will come and live within us. Now think about that and believe that. And if you believe it, you will sing along with Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the lowliness of his servant. And from now on, we will all be called blessed. Because of what the Lord has done for us. Do not let this time pass without breaking open that heart and inviting the Lord to come and to live in you. Let's stand and sing.